Hey there, Bulldogs, and welcome to this week's episode of Beyond the Tassel. This is your host, Carla Quintanilla. I am a marketing major at the sales class of 2021, and I am so delighted to be hosting this podcast with the purpose of reconnecting with our alumni and informing current students like you about the endless possibilities beyond college. Prepare to be inspired through the incredible stories of our alumni and learn valuable insights from their career journey. We are here to help you spark your career curiosity and encourage you to begin exploring your future possibilities. Now, without further ado, let's get started with this week's guest. Alrighty, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Beyond the Tassel. And today I am more than honored to be speaking with the one and only president of the Sales University, Father Greenfield. And Father Greenfield, for those that don't know, is actually he's actually an alumni of the Sales. He was class of 1984 when the Sales was called Allentown College of St. Francis the Sales. And you know what a better um, you know place to be here is for you to tell us your story, Father Greenfield, and how you've ended up as now the president of the sales. So just want to introduce you and, and say hello. How's it going? Going very well. Well, first of all, Carla, thank you so much for having me as a guest on this Beyond the Tassel podcast. I'm a big fan, so I'm really <laughs> happy to add it to all of the other featured speakers. Um, well, and hello, everybody. My name is Father Jim, Father Jim Greenfield. Um, as Carla said, I graduated in 1984, and I arrived at Allentown College in the fall of 1979. I was graduated from Father Judge High School in Philadelphia, and Father Judge is a uh, still around today, and it's staffed by the Oblates of St. Francis de Sales, the same group of priests and brothers who staff, you know, Allentown then and now DeSales University. So that's how I came here. I mean, I always thought I was going to go to St. Joe's University. Yeah. Um, I got a I got uh, a scholarship to come here and a lot of aid. So um, my dad said, oh, you're going downtown college. And it was the best decision I ever made. I mean, maybe one my dad made for me, but yeah. um, it was great. And so here I am today as president, as the first alum president. And it's a real honor for me um, to have this um, privilege to lead the university um, after, um, I guess, we're 54 years in existence as a college and university. Amazing. Now, Father Greenfield, tell us a little bit about your background. Where are you you from? Are you from the area? Are you from out out of state? Well, I'm from in-state. I am from the city of, you know, brotherly love, Philadelphia. (laughs) Okay. So uh, not far from here. And um, I, I grew up in Philadelphia, went to, you know, grade school and then high school, Father Judge. Mm-hmm. Um, back in the day, what is now presently the rail trail used to be, you know, a train that would come up out of Center City, Philadelphia to Lansdale transfer. I used to get off right on New Street, which is um, right there at the rail trail. That's how I came to this college often mm-hmm. um, on, tra- on public transportation. Um, but yeah, so that's where I'm from the Philadelphia area and love being back here in the Lehigh Valley. Okay, wonderful. Well, I want to talk before we, we talk about what's going on with you now and your career, right? I want to start off with your first steps with the sales. And I'd love to know, tell us a little bit about your studies at the sales as well as 
one of your favorite parts about your college journey? Well, when I came here to DeSales or Allentown College in 79, um, I was a politics major. And, um, and that's what I graduated with a degree in politics and then also a uh, teaching certificate. You know, I, mean, I, I guess I would minored in education and um, I have a certificate in social studies. So I was able to teach in a high school setting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, loved my time here. I mean, my mentor was Father Bernie Donahue of the Donahue Hall fame for the students who live in that residence hall. He was a, um, a wonderful mentor, professor. His um, grad degree was from the University of Pennsylvania. And he was very clear that this is not a political science program. It's a politics program, emphasis on policy. And I did my senior seminar on tuition tax credits and the need for them. You know, obviously, you know, back in 1984, when I delivered that paper, it fell on deaf ears with the government. But um, <laughs> it's interesting today that we're still talking about issues like that. So that's kind of my career and um, love my time here. Yeah. Well, um, you know, what what happened then after you've graduated? I know there's a lot. Obviously, there's a lot that you've lived through for you to be here. But what are some of your career highlights then um, before you came back to the sales? And did you pursue any further education? I did. You know, when I when I um, finished here at the sales, um, I went, I taught high school for two years in Wilmington, Delaware, at, at, at another school that is staffed by the Oblates. It's called Silesianum School. Okay. I was there and um, was very involved in, you know, all the things that high school teachers are involved in. It was a great um, first job after college. So I did that for two years and then um, went to Washington, D.C. And I went to um, school for a master's in divinity in theology. And so I went to DeSales School of Theology and Catholic University during the day. And then in the evening, I went to George Washington University. I was getting another master's degree in um, psychology. So back in the day when I was planning on being ordained a priest, one of the requirements was you had to have two master's degrees, one in theology and one in another discipline. Mm -hmm. So I did that for four years and it was ordained in 1990 and, um, you know, so some highlights of that time, just, um, you know, just having the opportunity to live in the nation's capital and just kind of breathe the air of, you know, um, you know, it was Reagan was the president, followed by Bush and, you yeah. know, Reaganomics and all that kind of stuff. It just it was really exciting to be there during those days. There's a lot of uh, energy in the church, too, mm-hmm. at that time. So I, I, I enjoyed all of that and being a grad student. So there, there's some highlights um, during that time. Yeah. So, um, you know, at what point did you tell us about your journey with becoming a priest and, and how that came about? Is that uh, something that you decided early on in your career? Well, you know, as always, I was exposed to the Oblate priests and brothers at, father, at my high school. And that's another reason, you know, I kind of jocosely said about, you know, my dad wanted me to come here, but I, I also wanted to explore a seminary, you know, back in the day, what is now Brisson and Chapuis Hall and the chapel in the middle, that whole complex was Brisson Seminary. And I lived here. 
um, as a postulant. It's, and then um, postulant means it's, it's a Latin word. It just means someone who thinks about things, questions things, considers things. So it wasn't a formal attachment to the obelisk. It was just an opportunity to wet your feet, be a, a regular college student, but live in a dorm where there was um, a schedule and prayer and, you know, you're living with other guys who are thinking of the same thing. Mm -hmm. And that's why in the middle of my, after my sophomore year, having done that, I thought I could further it by going to what we call the the novitiate down in Maryland. So I did that and um, took my vows and came back here as a college student. And, you know, quite a few years later, got ordained in 90 and there's been no turning back. I've, I love my choices and, you know, um, I've been ordained over 30 years now, been yeah. an operator over 40 wow. and um, I can't believe how old I am, you know, like where's <laughs> all the stuff. And now here I am back at the sales university. So that is such a singular delight and blessing. Yeah. Um, uh, what was the opportunity that opened up um, you going back to, to DeSales and kind of guide us through the story of becoming then a president of DeSales. Was that a uh, consideration that, you know, took years? Was it something that you, uh, was it, was it an opening and then you, you know, you were able to apply for just curious to know how that worked out for you. Well, you know, like so many things work out, you know, (laughs) so many things, it's the things you don't plan. Um, And so what I mean is like, you take a lot of risks uh, you relinquish control and you relinquish the plans. You live in the moment and then things happen. And that's what happened with the presidency. Um, I was on the board of trustees at the time. They were looking for a new president and they had a search. And then um, they went through the first round of the search and then they decided to do to reboot it and then do another round. And actually, you know, um, had some, you know, members of the board ask me to consider it and to put my name in. And um, I, I discerned it, thought about it. And so I threw my name in and never thinking I would become the president, but I thought it'd be great experience to go through the process. Never really planned on it. Never thought ever in the trajectory of my life or career as a priest, would I be, you know, um, the president of, of, a, of a university. Mm-hmm. But here we are. And um, in, the, in 2017, in March, I was appointed the fourth president. And um, I was, you know, ready for an adventure. Um, My background in higher ed was more just as um, a professor um, adjuncting at George Washington University, Catholic U. I was the chairman of the board at Washington Theological Union. And it was probably a good learning experience for me because we actually closed that school when I was the chair. And one of the reasons it was closed was, you know, wasn't just all finances. It was, you know leadership issues and over the years. So I learned, sometimes you learn from failure, like to do things. So I I remember the experience of going through that as I came here. But, you know, now that I'm here as president, I'm I'm in my fourth year, time flies. And we've been through a lot, you know, got here and um, just most recently, you know, sailed through, well, the rough waters of the pandemic. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, and we're still dealing with that with the, the the Delta variant, but there's been a lot of challenges here since I've arrived. Um, but I have a great team and work with great colleagues, and you know it's it's just a, it's great to, uh, to be part of the team here. And um, 
best part of the students, you know, working with uh, young women and young men um, with our mantra, be who you are, be that well. I mean, couldn't have a better job. Yeah, yeah, you teach us well how to be ourselves. And I was just speaking with another alumni about our our philosophy here at DeSales and how how much it's inspired her to become, you know, a great success in her life. Well, well, speaking of philosophies and and um, what we follow here at DeSales, can you tell us a little bit about what values and beliefs drive you to expand sales and be a positive influence slash leader? in our community? What sort of things, you know, you continue to, to um, stick by and um, how has that, you know, maybe developed and what you've seen um, in, the sales, in the sales expansion since you've come to presidency? Well, I guess the fundamental driver uh, for my vision as a leader is our Catholic Salesian mission. So that's the prism through which I view everything that I do and hopefully everything all of my colleagues, you know, and, and of all of our student learners here do. It's the mission. So we are an institute of higher education um, committed to, you know, uh, the, the Catholic faith and that as a guiding ethos, then undergirded by Salesian spirituality. That's where we get that, you know. Short, pithy phrase, be who you are, be that well. It's the inspiration of St. Francis de Sales and St. Jane de Chantal. Um, and that, you know, we engage in what we call transformative learning through, you know, the liberal arts and professional studies. So that that's it in a nutshell, you know, that that's what we do. And, you know, here at de Sales, I think I inherited, a, you know, a well-run um, organization yeah. that, has now become from when I was here in 84, you know, really a, um, a very multifaceted um, and multidimensional organization committed to that transformative learning, which really now is, is trying to keep in balance the liberal arts and the humanities alongside um, healthcare studies and business that, you know, and I, and, and one of the, it's a tension for me to keep that in balance because you know, as you know, sometimes, you know, um, I heard someone say, I, I, this is not my own, but they said the business of America is business. But that's not a Salesian value. You know, like the business of higher ed is not just business. Yeah. It's it's transformation. That's in our in our in our um, mission statement. So I have to keep all that in balance. You know, yeah. there's a great revenue stream, you know, with our grad programs, especially. Um, and it's, 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 it's challenging to fund a liberal arts program, mm -hmm. uh, because some of those programs, they're, they're not, you know, revenue generating, but we say, yes, we know that, but it's, it's important to keep them. And, um, so that's, that's what we do as a leader. So that, that in a nutshell, again, is, um, some of the focus of my leadership, you know, also between, you know, STEM and STEAM if you will, you know, yeah. that we have to keep a balance there um, that, you know, to really emphasize hands-on learning, you know, I think one of the problems with American education today is that we're not on an equal playing field, you know, that, that all, all too often around the country, there's low expectations in many of the schools um, and there's lack of access to higher ed. So you put those two things together and, you know, try to run a college that is going to engage in you know, meaningful, transformative learning, we need to raise the bar. 
um, and we need to make access, um, you know, something so that we can have a diverse student population um, so that we can really, you know, mold young men and women uh, to be change agents uh, yeah. with, with Salesian spirituality and our Catholic um, ethos in whatever major they have. Right, right. Wow, that was powerful. And I, and I think that what you just said also um, convinces some of the parents and students that are coming to the sales or thinking about coming to the sales about the value that and the difference and uniqueness of our university um, that has all of these values to, to be a transformative education provider. <laughs> um, yeah. So, well, with that said, what are, what are some of your goals that, um, that you have for this upcoming year of 2021, 2022, knowing what everything we've experienced last year and, you know, that's a sort of roller coaster. Do you have any kind of set, you know, goals or, um, or hopes for um, our upcoming year? Yes, I do. In fact, um, primary among the goals is to intersect three very important moving parts of being an administrator. And one is um, to gear up for a new three-year strategic plan, because we're in the last year of a present three-year plan. And then secondly, um, to announce the formulation of a 10-year campus master plan. Alongside the third part of that is um, to commence a, a transformative, that's the word of the day here, <laughs> capital campaign. So those three things that need to happen um, as we emerge in the future. So let me, can I just touch on each of them? Absolutely. Okay. So the first one, the strap plan, obviously that's no, you know, everyone knows what a strategic plan is. When I got here, we, we went to a three-year cycle rather than stay on the five-year cycle because, you know, I want these plans to be living and breathing. Dr. David Guilfoyle, um, I appointed him as the director of planning and he, he led us well. Um, literally just this past week, he announced his retirement. So um, he's going to be a huge loss to the university on many levels. Um, so we're, you know, but it came at, you know, a good time because, you know, he kind of helped us finish this, you know, this plan, which we're going to, you know, conclude in a couple months. But now we're gearing up for a new one. So I want to set, you know, four or five, no more than that, because I want to keep it simple, doable yeah. and obtainable. But goals or pillars, if you will. Like, you know, one would be, let's say, you know, um, financial viability, you know, like, obviously, that's going to be in there. I don't know what we're going to call it. But we need to make sure that, you know, when we get on the other side of the pandemic, that, you know, we are not just still standing, but we are robust with our future and with our plans for the future. Mm -hmm. So that's one example of what a plan would look like. What new programs do we want to bring online? Um, what metrics do we want to use for growing graduate programs and, you know, our traditional fall undergraduate day? What about adult learning? Uh, so that, that strategic plan. The second um, major goal for me is the campus master plan. And that really has to do with how do we take our strategy and prognosticate and forecast into the next 10 years what the campus will look like. So if we want to have like a new program in, but well, right now we're starting a new program in speech language pathology. So we are going to um, use Wills Hall 
um, as the incubation space for those programs, because it's going to be some grad programs and undergrad program certificates. So we need to know we have enough money to do that. So we received the one million dollar, you know, uh, grant from the state of Pennsylvania. You know, some generous donors. So looking into the future, like we know we want to upgrade, you know, some buildings. We want to bring a new building online, similar yeah. to the Gambit Center. Um, that's a goal. We want to um, constantly take a look at our athletic facilities. You know, we want to, um, you know get a place where we can call the entrance or gateway to campus, which we don't have. You know, we're, we have a bridge that's going to come up to connect the rail trail on Preston Lane. They're going to start that this, you know, in another few weeks. So we want to, you know, capitalize on that. And, you know, it's just things like that. Um, also think about, you know, what, what the needs of the campus will be, you know, in five years. So we need to bring together a lot of, um, of our, colleagues to, to, to brood creatively about our future and then, you know, put it down on paper and say, and hold our feet to the fire to make sure it happens. And then that leads into the third goal. We need to fund it. So that's why I'm going to put my show on the road with our vice president for advancement, Cheryl Murphy, um, to, to go out to all of our generous donors and our donors to be, uh, to invest their, their time, talent, and treasure in yeah. the future of the sales university. I got slowed down this past year, it was my third year as president, and I was ready to hit the road and do that. But pandemic, no one wanted in-person meetings. There was no travel. Right. So I'm so ready to get out there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, best of luck with all of that. I'm sure it's it's for the good of the university and for us and our dedication. Like you said, it comes down to the student body as well and those future generations. And we appreciate everything you're doing to expand the, the sales. So, I mean, I'm really happy to hear all of these amazing plans and I'm, I'm hoping to, to see, obviously, praying for all of it to come to fruition. So, Father Greenfield, um, was there an experience in your life that positively influenced your career development? Uh, is there, like, in knowing what you know now of, of, that, of those experiences, what advice do you have for current to sales students in order to enhance their career development, whether it is in your experiences you had post-graduation okay, in, in your college journey, in your, um, in your studies? Yes, and, and I'm, I'm hearing three parts to that long question. So let me just, <laughs> what, what I heard, and you tell me if I heard this correctly. Has there been an experience that has positively impacted my career um, and was there anything that specifically happened when I was a college student? And then what are some of those experiences? So that they're the three things that I heard. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Good. Well, you know, yes, there, there have been many impactful moments in my 59 years of being on this planet, you know? So, uh, the most impactful is, you know, having a, a loving family that, you know, I emerged from in Philadelphia, you know, my mom and dad, my two brothers presently. Now we've expanded. There's five nieces and nephews, two sisters-in-law, you know, so that, that, that is the low, the locus of control for me, you know, so I really value what I learn in my family system. So I want to give, that's the first shout out. Um, when I was in, you know, high school, um, I fell off a roof. 
You know, I was um, going to my freshman year of high school, I was playing wiffle ball where I shouldn't have been at a, at a vacant, not vacant, but it was at a Howard Johnson's Motor Lodge in Philadelphia. A bunch of my friends in our neighborhood were playing wiffle ball. You know, the, the rules were if you got a grand slam, that meant you, 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 you roof the ball. My, my younger brother, Jerry, went up on the roof to get the ball, was coming down, was having a hard time. I, I went up. I always tell him I was going to go up there and save him. But when <laughs> I was coming down, the roof caved in on me. I was holding on and the bricks just gave out and I, you know, fell off the roof and then um, was unconscious and then woke up in some, you know, you know, medical trauma center somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, broken arm, two broken legs, a fracture, all these kinds of things. So that kind of adversity right there, that was a big, you know, um, driver in, in what I learned and what I wanted to do and recovery and, you know, some of the things that as I entered high school, that was a help to me, mm-hmm. actually. Um, so I want to put that there and on many levels, you know, because, you know, some of the things I wanted to do, I couldn't do anymore. And so as a result, I, you know, I became a swimmer and, you know, that that was a sport that I never thought I would, you know, excel in and you know I did pretty well in that because I couldn't do the other things that I would would have liked to do when I got here to um, Alltown College of St. Francis de Sales I actually before majored in politics I wanted to be a music major Um, and I was actually going to go to Moravian um, you know live here because Moravian had a great music program and that didn't work out for a lot of reasons and um, I wanted it to work out but you know all the stars weren't aligning so that's when I picked politics and that trajectory has been phenomenal for me. Wow. So I'm really glad I play the piano. I mean, I'm, I'm, okay, I'm, I'm okay, but you know, I'm, I'm, so I'm, I, I like having that as an avocation or hobby, but I'm really happy that I actually majored in politics and social studies. And yeah, so that was a good thing. And it's all part of like, I feel like a lifelong learner, you know, that, that um, I've learned vulnerability, you know, I've learned, I try to be humble and most importantly, I try to listen to people along the way. And, you know, because I have, you know, there's so many people I couldn't count them who have been like um, profound mentors for me in ordinary ways. Yeah. And that's that they're the people who have helped me. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm sure. Thank you for that. I'm sure that we ha- we all have those people that really have um, put time and effort in us and by spending those that time to teach us things well our professors are one of them, but that positively influence our career development, even our personal development. Well, with that said, is there any advice you would give to current students in order to find that opportunity to enhance their career development, maybe in the classroom or outside of the classroom? Yes. Um, The best advice that I could give is to advance your career development is to stay tethered to the present moment. One thing I've learned, you know, being president here, I, I see such anxiety among many students worried about what am I going to do when I graduate? And that's important. And we want to assure students and the students' parents that the sales, especially through our career development center, we're going to help you do that. But, but in order to be a successful, you know, um, whatever, you know, you need to be a successful person in the present moment and, and to value what's happening now and trusting in the slow hand of God in all of that. And that, you know, I, I really believe that that's, that's the, 
you know, that's the ethos here at the sales, you know, to, to really trust in the providence of God um, that things will, you know, work out. Maybe not the way we want it, you know, but that, but that things will work out. And, and so that's the first piece of advice that, you know, not to be so riveted to, to the future, cause that's, that's the ideology of anxiety, yeah. you know, to be a calm person is to, is to stay focused to the present moment. So that's important. And to recognize that what I'm doing in philosophy 109 or English, you know, my, my, my writing class or what I'm learning in, in, the, in my jazz class as a dance major, like those things will, will steady me for the future. Yeah. And that, you know, that the fingerprint of the Holy Spirit is right there in this present yeah. moment, guiding us into the future. And we need to let all of those experiences form us and guide us um, and, and to really abandon ourselves um, in trust to believing that if I, if I live everything I can do today and I live today well, it's going to catch up to me and, and make my future um, positive and bright. Yeah, amen to that. Thank you so much for sharing those uh, words of wisdom. And finally, uh, Father Greenfield, this question is that is, is for those upcoming and incoming first-year students that are listening, maybe wanting to know a little bit more about you before they meet you in person. Um, and that is, you know, what is one, one of the things that you recommend for those first-year students? Uh, what resources, I, I mean to say, what resources do you recommend that DeSales students use, but more specifically that first-year students are familiar with that we have available at DeSales? Do you have any resources that you recommend that they use? I, I certainly do. And again, that's a great question as we think about all these new first-year students coming this year because it is our largest class ever, traditional undergraduate first-year students. Uh, just the other, you know, what's the other day, Derek Wetzel, our Dean of Enrollment Management or our Associate Vice President of Enrollment Management, told me that we have 529 students coming, that largest ever. It's the smartest class ever, the highest GPA scores, wow. the highest scores in our SAT. So this new class, um, we have a lot of hope for them. My, my, my goal for them is that they realize that everything they need to be successful is, is just a finger tip away. You know, <laughs> we have phenomenal faculty, our staff, our networking, friends, you know, like you can be your best person with mind, body, spirit. We have, you know, campus ministry. We have, you know, all kinds of things. We have athletic programs, academic programs. It's all here. So whether you are a commuter or a residential student, there's something for you. And that all you need to do is avail yourself to it. You know, we always pride ourselves that the best part of our campus is the campus and that there's this at-home feeling that we really are here for one another. We love saying that we're the campus that opens and holds the door for others. I think that's true, just not as a fact, but as a symbol and a metaphor that, that doors will open, um, not just in the moment, but doors will open in the future. If you just take advantage of everything that's here and, um, I look forward to welcoming that new class. Yeah, 
I am excited for, for me to see and meet everyone. I know we always have those first year students that come to the Career Development Center. So we will be very excited with open arms to, to allow them to use our resources. And of course, for them to immerse themselves in this new sales lifestyle for the next four to five years. So we welcome that class very soon. And it's been a pleasure talking to you, Father Greenfield, and getting, you know, for you to share a little bit more of your personal journey. And I really appreciate it. And I am just delighted that you're doing this podcast. And thank you for including me as part of it. Of course, any valued alumni is welcome. And we have every anyone is welcome that graduated from the sales to Come to us and we can share the journey and share the knowledge as well as the network, like you said, to be able to keep the uh, the community engaged. So thank you so much. You're welcome, Carla. Thank you to our listeners for tuning in to another episode of Beyond the Tassel. Are you a DeSales alumni and would like to share about your career? We would love to hear your story. If you would like to participate in Beyond the Tassel, please email Melanie Valone at Melanie dot valone at sales dot edu until next time